The Freedom Convoy has united Canadians, and calls to end mandates and lockdowns are louder than ever. Meanwhile, the establishment is starting to panic. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And so we've seen so many wins recently for the trucker convoy. And I, I want to emphasize how much of an impact these protesters are having, not just in Canada, but all over the world. And to talk about this and to talk about some of the most deranged reactions that we are seeing from legacy media, I am bringing in my friend Ezra Levant today. Ezra is the founder and CEO of Rebel News. He's the host of the Ezra Levant Show. And the, the thing that the Rebel has done incredibly well in this during this protest and during these convoys is have people on the ground talking to the truckers, showing the footage, showing the images. So many of their videos have gone viral. They're a huge part of the reason why we're even able to understand the other side of the story. So Ezra, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for the tremendous uh, journalism that you guys have been doing over at the Red Bull recently. Well, thanks, Candace. Of course, uh, I'm mainly here at the office. Credit goes to our people in the field. Last Saturday, we had reporters in nine different cities, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Milk River, Coots, Alberta, Toronto, Ottawa, um, Quebec City, and Canberra, Australia, where an echo of the Canadian convoys, I see other convoys forming in the Netherlands. In France, they're inspired by the Canadian truckers. And you know what? All it takes is your phone. Your phone can turn you into a journalist. A citizen journalist with the phone in his or her pocket can do more good work than a government journalist sneering and sputtering from a million dollar studio, because as long as people can see the facts with their own eyes, for example, see that they're positive, Canadian flags, uh, you know, people of all diverse backgrounds, what people see with their own eyes puts a lie to the media party smear that these are racist, sexist, Nazis, or whatever. So it's really been a, a triumph of citizen journalism over corporate media legacy journalism. Well, I think that's absolutely right, Ezra. And you, again, just you've shown this so that the contrast is so obvious for anyone who can see images of the protests, anyone who goes directly to the source, be it independent media or social media. I mean, TikTok, Instagram, we can see the images flooding out uh, versus the, the really bad faith coverage that we've had from legacy media that echoes Justin Trudeau's bad faith. I, I wanted to bring you on though. There's two two different threads that you've had over on Twitter, which a thread is just when you have a series of tweets and and you make a longer point than you would in just one single tweet. And so I wanted to discuss those two with you. The first one you've already started to pick up on um, here, this idea that the legacy media, why is it that they're so biased? Why did they fail to give this an honest shake and cover it in a fair and honest way? So I, I want you to sort of walk us through um, your thread on the, the legacy establishment media and why they fail Canadians so much yeah well, i thank you i mean i i was just daydreaming about it and i just thought well i'm just going to write it all down in twitter and i guess in the old olden days i would have written like a 700 word column about it but in twitter you have to do it in little bite sizes so i thought okay well, why is the media failing i mean really why okay well the first thing and i don't mean to be mean but i think that a lot of journalists are are lazy and by that, I mean, they would rather sit in a warm office rewriting a government press release that's really easy to do than to get bundled up in the cold, go out with strangers and try and wrap their head around. Like, it's it's just easier to be lazy. That's the path of least resistance. Governments count on that. Um, that's what press releases and spin doctors are for, to, to sort of pre-digest um, what the media does. 
Our, the funny thing is, Candace, as you know, Rebel News has been denied access to the parliamentary press gallery. And that really bugs me because it's discrimination and it's a form of censorship. But that absolutely forces us to get the real news instead of going just to some pre-digested press conference. So we're out there on the street while the fancy reporters are in their offices rewriting Trudeau's press release. So there's laziness and a lack of curiosity, and that's a shame. Um, there's ideological sameness. Like, there's no working class people in the media. There, there just aren't. Um, almost every journalist went to university uh, and journalism school, which is really just ideological school these days. It's all critical race theory and whatnot. So you're, you're culturally choosing um, a certain stratum. One of the favorite, least favorite or most favorite things I saw this whole protest was um, a Globe and Mail uh, reporter, I think her first name is Marika, if I'm pronouncing it right. And she saw a crane, like there, there's not just trucks in Ottawa, there's a crane, a construction crane. And as you probably know, if you've ever seen a crane, uh, there's a hook on the end of it, but there's also a weight so that the chain isn't sort of all flapping around. It's just a weight. It's a ball the size of like a grapefruit, a metal ball. It's a weight. I guess Marika has never seen a crane before. And she finds them terrifying because she said, there's a wrecking ball right outside the prime minister. It's a wrecking ball. Now, I know what a wrecking ball is. It's a thing. You don't actually see them that often anymore because it's, it's not. The, that's a huge ball. That's like, I don't know. It's a huge ball, a chunk of steel. And she she thought this little weight was a wrecking ball. And she's tweeting this. And I just thought, you're the expert on the working class, are you? You know what working people know and think and want because you thought a little weight was a wrecking ball and you tweeted that. That's your command of the facts. And it reminded me of something that Charles Murray, the great, amazing philosopher, author, scholar, said he had a test. He called it, how thick is your bubble? You can find it really quickly on PBS. And it, 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 it's not a judgment. It's just, do you know how the other half lives? And they ask you questions that are startling when you first hear them, like, um, have you ever been on a factory floor? Not to work there, but have you actually ever even been on a factory floor? And by the way, it, you're not a bad person if you haven't, but just realize that you don't know how the other half lives. Have you ever been in a parade that wasn't political or, or like environmental or a gay rights parade? Have you ever actually been like a, here comes the band parade? Because that's a cultural thing. Um, there's one question that shows some military insignia. Can you identify them? Again, it's not a bad thing, but in America and in Canada to a lesser degree, military is the working class. If you don't know anyone who's ever been in the army, any military branch, um, then how can you, can you really understand them? He has lots of questions about what restaurants you go to. Applebee's. Oh no, I would never. Well, okay, fine. But then don't don't pretend to know how the working classes are. And I'm not pretending I'm working class. I'm I'm what they would very much call middle class. My dad was a doctor. I went to law school. I'm not saying I'm a working man. My hands are soft. But can we understand the trucker and talk to the trucker rather than stay in our ivory tower and condemn the trucker? I, I made a few other points in in the in the tweet thread. I talked about how it's really an oligopoly and how um really all the newspapers in Canada, except for two or three, are owned by post media. So there's no, no true diversity of thought. I talked about how the TV stations are even more highly regulated, like CTV is owned by Bell, and Bell is extremely regulated. It's cable and cell phone. So I talked about some of the structural problems, the classism problems, 
And I just tried to understand why the media is getting it so bloody wrong, because they are, Candace. This trucker is like a tsunami. If you've ever seen a terrifying tsunami, it comes and it washes everything away. Everything. Cars, buildings, God forbid, people. And Aaron O'Toole was washed away by the tsunami of the truckers. Jason Kenney looks like he's wobbling. Um, Scott Moe said, oh, I'm going to get my surfboard and ride it. I'm not going to fight it. He, you know, he's removing restrictions. This tidal wave is so strong, it might actually topple Trudeau. I don't know how that part's going to end. The only institution that literally does not know they are in the middle of a tsunami is the media. Because their disgraceful coverage and smearing, they're calumniating against these truckers. It's moved the public perception of journalists from, I don't trust them, to, I hate them and I'll never forgive them because I saw them lie about me. The media has lost as much as Aaron O'Toole has, as Jason Kenney has, as Justin Trudeau has. But the media is always the least, has the fewest consequences for getting it wrong. Aaron O'Toole gets it wrong, he's fired. What's the consequence of the media party for getting this wrong? Nothing. They're all on Trudeau's bailout anyways. They don't care. The media does not understand that they have been just as rocked by this as have every other institution. And from a selfish point of view, I hope they never realize what they got wrong because all the better for Rebel News and True North. But the media does not yet know how damaging this has been to them. That's so interesting, Ezra. And uh, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on what you said, because uh, you mentioned the uh, social scientist, Charles Murray, and that bubble reader that he had. And I remember that book came out, I think it was probably around 2006 or 2007. And I read it, and it alarmed me and concerned me. And it, I, I remember thinking about how I observed those trends in the United States. And it was far from Canada. Canada didn't feel that way. Canada didn't feel like there's this big kind of class divide between the working class and the middle class. And it's so interesting how over the last 15 years, uh, you know, you can see it you can see it so clearly, the elitism in the Globe and Mail, the CTV reporters, the way that they talk about these truckers, the liberal MPs and, and people like Gerald Butts, the way that they talk and try to smear these these truckers as being extremists and radicals and racists and terrorists, um, everything is just so dripping in in classism. So I'm, I'm glad you, you pointed that out. And also the media. I mean, uh, I know True North has had, I, I was just looking at our stats today, Ezra, we had 30 million views um, on Twitter of, of our tweets. Uh, we gained something like 25,000 Twitter followers. And I'm sure you guys are in a very similar road, if not way more, because you have more reporters on the ground than we do. But um, there is a shift happening. It, it, you can feel it. And that, that sort of segues me to your second thread that you put out last night. It was it was riveting. I was I was trying to get to bed uh, because I get up super early with my kids, but I, I had to stay online, Ezra, just to just to see how how the thread was going to end. But you you walk us through your theory on how the trucker rebellion is going to end. But first you walk us through some really interesting ideas about how this is really hurting Trudeau, how Gerald Butts is is sort of spiraling um, out of control. He threatened to sue Jordan Peterson over a, over a pretty um, you know straightforward tweet. Um, but I, I I want you to sort of walk us through your hypothesis here and 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 give us the you know the Ezra Levant uh, preview of what you think is going to happen, how it's all going to end. I will, but give me thirty seconds. You said something, so I just looked it up on my phone. Forgive me when when you uh, the Globe and Mail had a had an article an, an editorial by Andrew Coyne. And I just, I just got a, I did a tweet about it. Forgive me. I, let me just read this for one second, then I'll, then I'll answer your question. So the sure. Global Mail said sure. that the truckers are, and I'm going to list it. You can, can read the article for yourself. 
The Globe Mail said the truckers are loons, absurd, hostage takers, white nationalists, intolerable, violent, frightened, angry, vastly uninformed, and disturbing. And then here's the punchline. And almost routinely insulting. (laughs) You know, here's 20 insults, and you guys are so insulting too. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, are you trying to win? You know, someone needs a Dale Carnegie book. How to influence people and make friends. Oh, my God. Okay. I just wanted to, like, what you said made me think of that Globe article. They don't know (laughs) what they look like. Remember, the media isn't playing to a mass audience anymore. They're playing to an audience of one person. His name is Justin Trudeau because he's by far their biggest financier through um, the, the, the media bailout, but also through advertising and regulatory. When I mentioned the Bell owns CTV, if Bell gets a good ruling from the CRTC on a cell phone deal or a cable deal, that could be a billion dollars. That's much more important than anything CTV News does. Anyways, I just want to tell you that. But back to your question. I think I, I think I've, I figured out how it's going to end. Because Trudeau can't can't blink, right? He can't. Have you ever seen Trudeau admit he was wrong? I haven't. Uh, he he's very good at apologizing for other people, but that's sort of an ironic apology. Like I'm better than you. Like uh, I'm sorry that Harper was so evil. Uh, therefore, you know I'm better than him because I'm apologizing for him. So I've never seen Trudeau apologize for anything. Remember when he was caught sexually assaulting Rose Knight in Creston, BC? He said, "Well, she experienced it differently." Like like that. He I've never seen him apologize. He can't lose face. It's part of his sociopathic game. Just be confident, just brazen it out. Whenever he gets convicted by the conflict of interest commissioner, just brazen it out. This is a learning opportunity for everyone. He never says sorry. So what happens, Candace, when you say about 10 times that the truckers are misogynist, racist, Nazis, um, intolerable, when you say all these things again and again and again, I will not meet with them. How can you then meet with them? You just said they were Nazis. Are you meeting with Nazis now? So he's really painted himself in the corner. And I really think that's the handiwork of Gerald, who suddenly has been rehabilitated for some reason by the media. How did that happen? Like he was drummed out of Canada. He went to work for a New York uh, lobby firm called the Eurasia Group because uh, he was so disgraced in Canada for interfering in the SNC-Lavalin prosecution. And now he's back as this honored, you know, wise man. And he's and Gerald Butts is just dripping with wrath about these truckers. And I'm guessing he's talking to Trudeau again because, you know, he says something one day on TV, Trudeau saying it the next day in Parliament. So I think Gerald Butts is really a bad influence on Trudeau, because, but it's always worked for Butts, in fairness. You know, call your enemies racist sex. It works against Andrew Scheer, worked against Aaron O'Toole. You know, they just it just always works. It didn't work this time, maybe because there's so many diverse truckers, lots of Sikh truckers. A million people have seen the convoy with their own eyes, so they don't they, they know that they've been lied to. So the racism accusations don't work. But it's but the, what it's done to Trudeau is it's painted him into a corner. Point one, it's caused two liberal MPs to abandon the party. That's shocking. Did you expect yes, yeah. the two liberal MPs were going to quit over this? But the, so what can Trudeau? He can't back down, right? He can't blink. So how's he going to get out of this pickle? And it's not going away. You've got the Ambassador Bridge now. You've got a, a bridge in Sarnia. You've got the border crossing in North Dakota. You've got the border crossing in Montana. Oh, my God, this thing's growing. And what's he going to do? And, and by the way, these pro- protesters are peaceful, so you can't, 
you, you don't have a moment where you can swoop in and say they're the insurrectionists. I mean, he's trying that. People laugh. So here's how I think it's going to end. That ambassador bridge between Detroit and Windsor across the Detroit River. That's the most important bridge in North America from an economic point of view. A quarter of all Canada-U.S. trade goes over that bridge. It's over 100 million bucks a day because that's really the bridge that the, that the auto industry uses on both sides. That's shut down. And all of a sudden, they're talking about the convoy in Washington, D.C. And Jen Psaki, who is much more than any ordinary press secretary, I think she's the de facto vice president, if, if you want my opinion. She was asked about it. And did she lash out? Did she say racist, Nazi, blah, blah, blah? And the, believe me, the Democrats can do that if they want. She did not. In fact, she led that day by talking about all the things Joe Biden has done for truckers. And she specifically praised the truckers' freedom of speech. And she said, oh, this is just some local congestion. She de-escalated her language, the opposite of Trudeau. Why? Do you think they want these trucker convoys in America? You think Joe Biden wants that? He's already at 32% in the polls, whatever it is. Inflation, disaster in Afghanistan, disaster with China, disasters everywhere. Um, high prices of gasoline. He's going to be wiped out in the midterms in Congress. Does he need another layer of that? Does he need to lose the trucking working class demographic now? No, he most certainly does not. Does he want this? And it's sneaking across the border. It's on two bridges now. Pull up the drawbridge. What's he going to do? And here's how I ended my, my tweet storm. Sorry to keep you up last night, Ken. Joe Biden has not painted himself into a corner, has he? Joe Biden can, and by the way, the truckers have already helped free America. In the last week, six Democratic states have said we're done with masks. I think that's attributed to the truckers because this is 24-7 coverage of these Canadian trucks in America and around the world. I mean, I've been on Fox four times. I was on Tucker. I just got off the show with Huckabee. They, they can't get enough of this. So Joe Biden, here's my prediction. He's going to say, guess what, guys? It's working. Our plan is working. Here is St. Fauci saying we can relax the vaccine mandate for truckers because we got this licked. Oh, we're so successful. We're normalizing. I'm ending the trucker mandates in America. You're welcome, Teamsters. Oh, thanks for posing for a photo op with me because he's not eating his uh, hat. He's not, sorry, he's not um, eating his words, is he? He's not um, looking embarrassed. He should say, oh, it was successful. And if Joe Biden removes the trucker vaccine mandate on the U.S. side. Obviously, Trudeau will have to do it on the Canadian side because these trucks just make endless round trips, right? You can't go into one country and have a quarantine, but not the other. Like, it just makes no sense. So if Biden drops, you have to have both on or both off. So if Biden drops the vaccine mandate on the U.S. side, Trudeau will have to drop it on the Canadian side. I think that's how it's going to end. And Justin Trudeau will say, oh, I'm doing it because of Biden. But he will have to give in to the truckers because Biden does not want the fiasco that Trudeau has made for himself. Biden, I don't even think he's the decider down there. It may even be Jim Psaki herself. For all their flaws, they're grown-ups. And they don't need a spitting match with working-class Americans calling them Nazis. So I think Joe Biden's sense of self-preservation and terror about the looming U.S. Mid, uh, midterm elections will cause him 
to take the stinger out on the U.S. side. The truckers will have done it, but the politician they will have convinced is not Trudeau, but rather Joe Biden. I believe that win is coming within days because that ambassador bridge cannot stay closed. It cannot. And Joe Biden will do, and Michigan's a Democrat state, Joe Biden will do what he has to do to clear that bridge. That's my thesis. It's so interesting. That's so interesting. As I, th- I think you're really onto something because I agree. I-, I listen to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of American news and they're all talking about the convoy. Like Ben Shapiro's entire show yesterday was based on the convoy. It's, it is everywhere. And, uh, you know, even Barry Weiss had a, a piece on a, her Substack. stack. Uh, Brett Weinstein was talking about it. Like y- it- it's, it's front of mind for Americans. And interesting how suddenly the uh, US, so many of these states are getting rid of their mask mandates. Um, you know, we, we've seen, we, we, we have seen. And the other thing, uh, when J- Jen Psaki was responding, I, I hadn't seen that clip until I saw it in your Twitter thread there. And as soon as the question comes up, she quickly goes to her notes. So that wasn't just a spontaneous response. She, they had prepared and she was ready and she said exactly what she meant to say, which, uh, you know, goes to show the, the, the premeditation. So I, th- I think you're right about the analysis. I hope you're right about the way this ends, because it, it looks like the, the truckers have just been scoring point after point after point. You know, Aaron O'Toole is gone. You have the CPC coming out in support of the trucker convoy. I know they're now telling them that it's time to leave, but they're su- in support of the idea of man. We're seeing more speeches from MPs on the floor, right? We see Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, Prince Edward Island even all talking about removing um, their restrictions. Uh, Quebec got rid of their evil, terrible VAX tax idea that they were going to add an additional tax to uh, the unvaccinated. I I think that 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 if they were to win on this um, and and have this mandate disappear, it would be one of the biggest political victories um, in modern Canadian history. Um, I want to ask you a final question, Ezra. Um, Your analysis of Justin Trudeau, to me, um, seems correct. I, I think that he's he's made a mistake. He's backed himself into a corner. He He's coming across as angry and out of touch. And and so many Canadians are seeing through it. Um, two, two members of his own party have publicly come out against him. I don't think that's ever happened in, in his career as leader of the Liberal Party. I don't. I know that he had a falling out and he kicked uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott out of the party, but but... Um, that was like a foul swoop. They didn't. They didn't come out and disagree with him. They they were just out of the party. Whereas I haven't seen anything like that for these two uh, liberals who are speaking out, and they're, they're both uh, male MPs from Quebec. Um, so really interesting. Uh, w- w- what do you think is going to happen to Trudeau? Do you think Do you think that he can recover from this politically? Uh, how do you see that part playing out? You know, I I deleted TikTok, the app on my phone because I was worried about Chinese malware, to be honest, but I've re up, I've reloaded it. Maybe that's a bad idea because I find TikTok a window onto worlds other than my own, younger, uh, more female. In other words, Justin Trudeau's base, um, ethnic, like there's people on TikTok doing and saying things that I can't find elsewhere. I think it's a way to tap into a younger zeitgeist. And I am stunned every day to see the opposition to Trudeau amongst young women, amongst cool people, amongst minorities, amongst Sikhs. Like I follow this Sikh guy named Palminder. He's a Sikh trucker. Every day he's just doing killer vids about Trudeau and the mandates. He's, he's maybe a 25-year-old guy. He's got a beautiful beard and turban, and he's just giving her. And, I, and, and so I see these people, 
and they've taken it personally. They've taken the insults personally. You know, um, a lot of young people really care about fitness. They're sick of the, you know, the funny thing here, Candace, is that most of the lockdowns were done by cities and provinces. Trudeau was responsible for the airline uh, fiasco and everything to do with that, including the COVID hotels at the, at the airports, the, the no flying rules. But really so little of this was Trudeau. So much of it was the premiers. But in the last two weeks, it's like Trudeau has become the liver of the Canadian political body. And he, and he has defined, uh, he has made himself the target for everything. All the toxins are now on him. Like these truckers are mad about 10 different things, nine of which were done by premiers and mayors. But the 10th thing is on Trudeau and his, he has been more brutal towards them than any other political leader. It's, and my point is, I don't think when a young person, a young woman, a young new immigrant, um, a working class person sees that, I don't think they can unsee that. And I think I've always believed that he was a faker. I very early assessed him as a male feminist, which is a manipulative deceiver who fakes being a feminist to actually be a player or an abusive man. His sexual assault of Rose Knight is proof of that. I've always felt him a deceiver. He's a blackface guy who calls you racist. You know, he takes away your civil liberties by, by calling you violent. He projects that way. It's a form of psychological abuse. And until you see it, you think he's dreamy. But the moment you see that that male feminist was actually abusive or that um, guy scolding you about using your right pronouns, he was actually sexist. You can never unsee it. In fact, it's more than just un learning the truth. You feel like you were deceived before and you're sort of angry that you were tricked before. I believe that you cannot unsee those fangs. And he was Mr. Sunnyways in 2015. And in 2019, he was friendlier than Andrew Shear and sexier and even against Darren O'Toole. But I think he looks old and bitter and desperate. And most of all, he looks angry. I don't know. I wouldn't bet on him. And if Pierre Polyev is the next leader of the conservatives, I think Pierre's got a chance of winning. Well, that, I think I think that's a great way to end the episode, Ezra, because it gives us some hope that uh, hopefully Justin Trudeau's time as a leader of this country is is soon coming to an end. Because I, I tend to agree with you. I think that the way he's handled this is is really exposed his worst flaw, which is that he hates. He, I think he hates conservatives more than he loves Canada. And in the case of, of the vaccines, it's like he, he hates the unvaccinated more than he loves his country. And that's such a bad look. Ezra Levant, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoy your uh, journalism and your takes on these issues. Uh, keep keep up the good work over there at Rebel News. Thanks, you too. We're big fans of True North, and thanks for having me, Candace. All right, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. It's been Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.